Hello, I'm Jill Baker and would like to welcome you to Hempson's second series of Inquest podcast with Liz Stokes and Elspeth Rose, who are both members of Hempson's healthcare advisory team. Liz and Elspeth cover inquests across the north of England and have experience in various coroner's courts. The first series took listeners through the journey of an inquest and having responded to feedback of what you would like us to include in the second series, we are now looking at specific types of inquests, um, giving helpful background and advice. So moving on to our second podcast in this current series, today Liz and Elspeth will discuss the distressing topic of child inquests. Liz, can you begin the discussion of this, what I think is a very difficult topic, um, really first of all looking at the reporting of child deaths? Sure, yes, hello. Um, Child deaths are particularly emotive and quite difficult and sensitive. Essentially, the the inquest will be, again, the same process as as any other inquest. Um, The same as an adult investigation, there's a duty to investigate those child deaths which are violent or unnatural. Um, Reporting of child deaths, each each hospital or each um, organisation will have their own internal reporting systems. Um, and the national reporting system changed in 2019, but as I say, we internally each, each organisation will have their own internal systems. In terms of reporting to a coroner, um, I think the key message is that essentially a child death should always be discussed with a coroner, even if there's subsequently no full inquest. I think that the, the, the advice from coming from coroners is that they should at least be have some discussion to see where that needs to go. And then there'll be obviously some other internal investigation processes as well. There may be potential safeguarding or police investigations um, and other uh, maternity investigations if that's relevant. So the child reporting part of it is the start of, of any child inquest, as it would be for any inquest not involving a child. Um, there's a difference, and I know Elspeth, you've come across this as well, around the issue of stillborn um, deaths and stillborn deaths. The consultation out in uh, 2019 to give coroners the power to investigate stillbirths. Now there's been no formal response to that consultation Um, and again this is this is an issue that may be developed further in the future. And I think it goes back to exactly as you said the importance of discussion discussing the issues with the coroner because they can be extremely complex and there can be um, different uh, opinions as to whether um, it was, for instance, a stillbirth or um, there was sort of a flicker of life, let's say. Um, And so whether the thresholds met and I think the the best advice, which is what I'm sure um, and no clinicians do anyway, but is to have that sort of open discussion with the coroner to discuss those issues um, in in detail, really. Because just just and just to clarify, I suppose that you know the traditional position and the, the has been that coroners don't have jurisdiction to investigate those um, stillbirths um, mm. because if there's no sign of life at birth, that's that can't be investigated. However, that the, the move towards um, full investigation um, of those stillbirths in addition to neonatal deaths is, is I think, possibly a move forwards. Mm. Um, sort of to be determined as yet. Absolutely. But. So I guess there's, you know, the, if we're considering child deaths, there's, there's various different types. There's those child deaths, which are neonatal deaths, 
um, and would involve maternity services and the, the involvement of potentially midwives obstetricians um, which as any child death they're going to be uh, quite um, emotive and potentially um, challenging for all those involved and it can involve you know numerous members of staff who are required to, to provide information or background information or statements for the purposes of inquest and all of whom will probably require some um, degree of support or otherwise um, that, and then there's various other uh, child deaths that you may come across in terms of you know chronic children who are chronically ill who may not always end up having a full um, inquest investigation but may um, require staff to provide initial information yeah I think I think you're with in my experience with child deaths specifically there are a huge array of um staff and uh witnesses that are involved um and so i think the, the key is um sort of managing that and if you're from uh within sort of the legal team um or supporting staff in that way it's sort of coordinating um getting all those those different statements and supporting those who um are likely to be extremely distressed um from from this um incidents really and especially um i've found and i think liz has as well that with uh, child deaths um there tends they sometimes take a bit longer to get um through to the actual inquest hearing um, obviously, there, there's different reasons for this, but um, one of them I tend to find is just practically is that the, the coroners obviously want to allow enough time for all the issues to be explored. Um, and therefore, they have to find that time in the diary, whether it's one day, two days. Um, and so sometimes it can be sort of a year or two before you've gone from the actual uh, sad death and then uh, the inquest hearing and so that's a immensely long time for clinicians to have that um, over them and it might be because it's such an emotional and highly charged scenario it might be that family members are not in a position or emotional place to be able to engage in discussion and again that's difficult for clinicians and witnesses because they're not able to um, discuss things with family members um, and sort of uh, resolve any any underlying questions earlier on so I think that's that's what I tend to find Liz do you find a similar thing yeah often I think I think you're right and I think the length of time it may take to get to an inquest is an issue there's the issue around mm. sort of preparation and support of witnesses initially after the incident and collating that information and, and providing sort of ongoing discussions ahead of the inquest. So there's that area of preparation and support that's needed. But then there's also, you know, on the day of the inquest, um, preparing uh, staff and uh, midwives, nurses, doctors, whatever, for um, the courtroom itself. I mean, we've touched yeah. on previous podcasts around what to expect um, actually in the inquest process. But often if families are there for, for child deaths there you know there is heightened obvious heightened emotion in during the course of the inquest and so sort of practical arrangements on that I think have to be geared towards that things like you know the planning of missing dates that that might be particularly um, significant to a family mm. 
and, and have allowing some leeway around that. So I think there's those two aspects that the ongoing preparation and support that's going to be needed for stuff, but also the preparation for the inquest on the day to take into account um, there's potential a, well, additional issues. You know? Yeah, there's a few practicalities, I think, because like you said, it's, it's the same in, in theory. It's, you know, it's the same scope and the same investigation as you would have with adult deaths. But of course, um, I think it's wise to be hyper vigilant to certain things, like you say, Liz, dates that may be particularly triggering or upsetting for family members, thinking about your methods of communication um, and whether um, it's sort of via a third party, making sure that, for instance, um, coroners are not releasing information that hasn't already been um, discussed with family so they're getting it from appropriate sources um, or sort of in a in a timely manner and also of course because as we've discussed before inquests are public and there tends to be more media interest in um, uh, child deaths and uh, those inquests and so that could be another consideration um, for sort of uh, trusts or or others to think about is that um, being aware of potential media interest that that's what I tend to find and therefore that's another consideration I I have to factor in when I'm preparing uh, the case and uh, witnesses and just sort of briefing legal teams and I think Liz I can uh, I know that that you deal with the the same um. Are there any more things that we can think of that are sort of useful to flag to those who are dealing with a child death that think, we haven't? I think you've covered on? most points. I think, like you say, you know, the essential aspects are the same for any inquest, mm. but it's it's covering considering the the nuance basically and the the additional um, issues that may come up. And all the different agencies as well. Like you said, there's um, sometimes you can have um, such a broad spectrum of the circumstances surrounding um, a child death, and therefore you can have a whole array of services and organisations involved. And so it's understanding that um, the, the different roles that services play or um, staff play in in the sort of journey of that that the, patient or yeah and the processes that might go alongside that as well you know any sure. external or ongoing investigations that might have either been completed or might still be required to do depending on the circumstances of the, the death obviously but yeah yeah certainly thank you ladies um as you say a really difficult topic and a, a very emotive topic and and one with its own sort of set of set of challenges and um, nuances and, and things to just be really sort of be aware of. So thank you for covering that sort of so sensitively. I mean, I mean, from my point of view, having having listened to you, obviously we're all very very aware of of what a difficult situation it is for you know for the families. But just really sort of highlighted that um, you know it's very emotive and, and, and very very challenging for all involved. You know, the clinicians, the different agencies, and um, and, and to also have that whole idea you know having to wait longer you know it, mm. it keeps that emotion going doesn't it? it makes it a very very difficult situation so you know as you pointed out the the procedures and the processes obviously are, are the same as other inquests but just really being aware and um you know sort of having that sensitivity when when dealing with all these um separate issues i think was really useful for um 
certainly for me and um, you know for our listeners to have sort of taken that on board so thank you very much um just suffice for me to sort of say that you know as usual please please do get in touch you know we do love hearing from you and we do you know i do get those sort of emails coming through so if you do have any comments at all positive or negative you know if you think there's things we've missed or there's things that perhaps we haven't quite got right or from your own experiences please do get in touch um and also please do let us know if there's other topics that you think it would be helpful for us to cover my email address is j.baker at hempsons.co.uk thanks very much (laughs) 